Man, we gonna have a lot of fun tonight in Vancouver, all my real fans. Welcome. Welcome to Sippin' on a 40. My name's Kyle Bowen. Shout out to SB Nation. Shout out to Nux Misconduct. This is the official Canucks program of the network. What exactly is the network? The Nux Misconduct Network. Well, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you have the network, you get three shows. Sippin' on a 40. This one. You also get the quickie, the fastest. Yes, fastest hockey show in the world. Plus, you get silky and filthy. A lot of puck talk, a lot of bullshit. Get the network. Now, we have to set the tone. We have to start things off by being honest, completely transparent. Why? Why is this show called Sipping on a 40? Well, damn, you don't You don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't got to be smart. You can be a dumbass and figure this out. Straight up, you can be a dumbass and figure this out. This whole nation, the nation that I'm talking to, and I hope that if you're listening to this, you follow the Vancouver Canucks. If you if you are a diehard of another team and you find your way to this podcast, to this series, it's not for you. Okay, I'm not saying get out, but get out. Why are you listening to something about another team and only about another team? Do something, okay? Throw out the trash. Read a book. What are you doing here? This is for Vancouver, the city, for the fans, the nation. It's for Canucks Twitter too. Phenomenal place. Anyway, sipping on a 40. Why is it called that? Well, damn. The whole nation is drunk. Let's be honest. They are drunk. What EP40, what the alien, what Elias Pedersen did last year was somewhat phenomenal on so many levels. Yes, incredible player. Yes, phenomenal talent. Yes, franchise center. Holy shit, we got one of those guys in the city. That's a boost. That cuts out a year of the rebuild. It really does. Elias Pedersen. Talent. He also, the alien, had the power to make you, yes, you, forget about the Sedins that quick. And be honest with yourself. You did. Now be honest with yourself again. Going into this season, you are more excited. You are somewhat more hopeful because of Elias Pettersson. Not because of Quinn Hughes, not because of Brock Bezzer. They play a, a small part in how you're feeling going towards this season. Elias Pettersson changed the narrative. Not only for you, but for the franchise in general. And look what he's done. A lot of you, a lot of you listeners, you jump ship. You now support Jim Benning. You support the leader. Yes, the leader. Hey, let's be honest. Any good organization, doesn't matter where, doesn't matter what, could be a sport, could be a coffee shop. It all starts from the top. You listeners have jumped ship and now we're a Benning bro. Hashtag Benning Bros. We'll get to it at the end of the show. A special segment here on Sipping on a 40. But yes, a lot of you are Benning Bros. After after really no team success. It's phenomenal. It's interesting. 
it's fascinating it is the coolest story in sports and it's cool for so many reasons right you never really see that again the team sucks but it doesn't matter because you're hopeful you're drunk everything is better when you're drunk a lot of you are Jim Benning fans phenomenal interesting interesting how many times have I said phenomenal on this program Jeez, Louise damn I gotta make a I gotta make a, a segment called phenomenal we'll do something with it sipping on a 40 a lot of you drunk it really is the name of the chapter of your 2019 2020 Vancouver Canucks big day today roster cuts roster cuts pretty much starts starts the season starts the regular season things matter games matter these podcasts matter it all begins now and big news big big news a veteran sent down to the minors he's waived and it isn't louis erickson now what did louis erickson do to win over the coaches because i did not see shit in fact in the last couple games from what i saw on twitter and condensed games and some highlights and some gifs and some stats was that louis was doing what louis does best what do you call it when louis just gets zeros across the board but he won the spot he got the spot sven birchie didn't he's gone he's waved and people were pissed real pissed now jim benning i'm paraphrasing just a bit and we'll get to the clip maybe the clip will do better justice okay i don't want to be paraphrasing too much especially on the first episode okay just listen to the clip. i think Let's you know this, okay kind of it's the evolution of us as a team like we've my job is to try to you know improve the team sign better players trade for better players over the summer um and you know so we got better players in camp so we were going to have to make tough decisions Jim Benning talking about how this team had to make tougher decisions based on the personnel, the skill. They got it. They don't need more skill. They got it. One of the lowest scoring teams in the league over the past five years. They don't need fucking scoring. They don't need Sven Berchi. A lot of people pissed. And Vancouver does have a uh, an interesting history for so many reasons, and it seems to always happen where 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 the where the fans here they they like they like the dude you put on waivers here. Okay, it happened with Corrado. Didn't it happen with Vol Volpatti too? Who are those guys exactly? Who's Volpatti? Who's Corrado? It happened. I'm pretty sure it happened with Andrew Ebbett too. I could be wrong. Now Sven Berchi. Yeah, you could say a better player. He worked hard to get back in the lineup. Concussion problems. We wish him nothing but the best. But let's face the facts. It's not that big of a loss. It's not that big of a loss. I believe he's averaged just over 40 games a year. And a lot of it, yes, freak accident. Especially the concussions. But in the... But in the days of player empowerment, one of your greatest traits is staying healthy, being in the lineup. There's an attribute for that in video games. There should be. 
some injury prone stuff and it should be valuable San Berchi, not the biggest loss, but that's a small, small part of the problem. Another one of these, of these banning acquisitions lead to no assets. And let's not forget, San Berchi for a second round pick, Benning doesn't have a lot to show for when it, uh, when it comes to his professional scouting and his rewards from, from using that in his arsenal. Because a lot of it's trash. Another one. Another one of his so-called best. It says a lot, right? Second round picks, Van Berchi, biggest trade in Jim, Jim Benning's tenure so far. One of the. And it leads to nothing once again. So I understand why some people would get pissed off. People just don't have any time for Jim Benning. And once again, we go back to hashtag Benning bros. Once again, one of the most fascinating hashtags in the world of sport it really is how did it happen the team still sucks and people have faith interesting hashtag hashtag betting bros the betting bros still believe in betting we're not even we're not even on the segment i got something special for the segment in fact i got the leader of the other side no i don't have his voice but i do have a tweet let's get to the interview though okay we got chris Faber. Canucks conversation, great dude. You know, we got to think of a nickname for this guy. Good fella Faber. That's what I'm thinking of. Hashtag good fella Faber. The dude is a talented dude, a passionate hockey fan, a Canuck fan, and really doing a good job at, you know, doing his part in carrying the torch on the Twitter universe for Canuck Nation. And, and, and let's say this. This is going to be the one time, and I'll say it's going to be the one time, that I can... Actually, I, I probably already pissed off a couple people. But let's say I didn't because we're still early in the process. This is the one time where, where I can get all of Canucks Twitter to listen in, whoever's listening to this. We can all be on the same side. The Canucks universe truly is special on Twitter. It's a community like no other really on the Internet. And Jason Botchford was a big part of it. And I think Chris Faber is going to be a big part of it too. He's helping, carrying the torch. I like it. Shout out to Faber. Thank you for joining me on Sipping on a 40. Pick up the phone, baby. Hey, we got Faber on the line. How's it going, Chris? Doing pretty good, man. Good to talk to you again, Kyle. Hey, it's always good to talk to you. Now, I don't want to call you out, but you're five hours late. And you owe me something, okay? You owe me something. What was the drink of the night? Tell the listeners. Drink of the night, man. Uh, you know, met up with a bunch of guys that I used to play baseball with. Uh, a bunch of guys I haven't seen in like five, six years. It was a lot of Crown Royal okay. and uh, a lot of uh, Molson Canadian just at the pub, man. Just doing pub things. Wow. You went, uh, it wasn't even Canada Day and you went with Crown Royal and you went with uh, <laughs> Molson Canadian. Damn. Yeah. That's why I'm a normal, no, like, Big time, I like the uh, the Crown Apple, Crown Royal oh, Apple. Yo. That one is deadly, man. You get that going with some ginger ale, that'll, that'll ruin the night. That's why I'm five hours late. Hey, <laughs> ironically speaking, right in front of me is a bottle of, guess what, Crown Royal Apple. Baby, you know it then. You know it too well. Hey, man, no, someone else in the studio knows it, always brings it over. Uh, you know what, Crown <laughs> Royal, when they go with the mixes with their drinks, I enjoy it more. And I did have, I did have a glass of Crown Royal and some Coke at Lambeau Field. 
two days ago. Yeah, dude. We're serving that there too. So, um, yeah, man, it's a good drink, and I don't blame you, man. You're five hours late, but it's all good if you're, especially if you're drinking the Crown Royal, and especially if you just, you know, still showed up. That's all that matters. You got to show up. <laughs> Showing up, man, man. That that looked like a pretty awesome trip down there. I, I think I've seen on your Insta story you were saying that you've been down. It's been like five grand. Still haven't seen a win though. Oh yeah, man, it happens, and you know, <laughs> I, I'm speaking to a big time Canuck fan right now. You know the support. The support's always going to be there, win or lose. Especially mm -hmm. with the with the Packers, they they hold a, a very special place in my heart. I'm five. I'm five grand deep. Haven't seen a win, but it's all good. You have to make it out to Lambeau Field, bro. I'm telling you, you have to make it out. It's crazy. Sure enough. Sure enough, man. Like, yeah, no doubt. Just even just like what that city is like in Green Bay. From what I hear, like the whole you know the whole state comes to watch like football games. That's just pretty cool that like you can have that much investment from the state. I guess. Yo, it's. It's a truly magical place. We're talking about Green Bay, Wisconsin, where Lambeau Field is literally located in a fucking neighborhood. There, there's people's backyards, <laughs> people's backyards and front yards is a view of Lambeau Field and the parking lot. So it's it's different. It's it's incredibly unique. Whoever's listening to this, I don't care if you're a football fan or not, a Packers fan or not. I'm assuming you're a sports fan. You got to go to Lambeau Field. Now we have Chris Faber on the line, Canucks Conversation, Canucks Army. You're the first guest. I wouldn't have anyone else, man. You know what? I got to admit, Canuck Nation is in good hands with you somewhat leading the charge. You don't have to be here today, man. There's no one. No one's ever listened to an episode, and you took your time, your hangover time, to make it here, man. <laughs> so I appreciate man, that. Dude. No, I'm excited. Always excited to get on with you guys, man. I, I love the work you guys are cooking up, and I'm excited for this year. You guys got like a full arsenal coming up, people, man. People, if, uh, if they don't know what's coming, they're about to hear it pretty soon. I'm stoked to see what you guys come up with this year. And I hope they enjoy it. And if you, even if they don't enjoy it, I just hope they listen, okay? We're here to provoke. My first question, big question, and I want you to think about this one, okay? So let's say the Canucks are going to make the playoffs. Who is their best player? Who has to be their best player? Jacob Markstrom or Elias Pettersson? Yeah, that's, uh, man, if you're going to put a lot of weight on somebody, it's probably going to, you know, it's going to go on a lot of both of those guys. And I think the, the guy that you have to pick is probably Elias Pettersson. I mean, if he's going to take this team to the next level, not only does he have to do what he did last year and, you know, come out and be the leader on the team, you know, on the score sheet, he's going to have to score more. Like, they, the Canucks were still pretty far away from a playoff spot last year. And you're, you're going to have to get something like 80 points plus, at least out of Pettersson, I think, if you're making the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's, it's not to put a lot of pressure on EP40, but he has to be better than he was last year. And we're talking about a second-year player playing center for pretty much the second time in his career. So a lot of expectation on Pedersen. Now with Markstrom, though, you can somewhat say that last year was a career year. Now, if you look at his save percentage, you look at the it's kind of similar to what he had the year before, but he did play a lot better. And they're going to need him to play lights out. He's going to have to have a 920 save percentage. He's going to have to lower that GAA. He's going to have to get himself a big-time contract if... The Canucks are making the playoffs. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that you could, you got to lump Demko in there as well because mm -hmm. you know what? Like, I think Markstrom probably plays somewhere between 50 and 55, whether, you know, if he's healthy all season long. And I think Thatcher Demko is another huge piece because, like you mentioned, yeah, you know, Markstrom needs to come back and have something like 915 save percentage and, you know, allow a little bit less goals maybe to get the team in the playoffs. But at the same time, you're, you know, pretty much like a third of the time, you're going to be dealing with a guy like Thatcher Demko back there, right? Mm -hmm. And he's going to be so integral to this team if they're going to make the playoffs as well. I think that's one of the most important pieces on a team that's going to make the playoffs. When, when you talk about guys that are just on the bubble, right, you're going to look at like teams like Phoenix 
And I think the Canucks are going to have a good battle with them throughout the season. There's probably going to be another team on the Pacific that they're going to have to battle to get that wild card spot. And like, it's going to take a backup goalie. And if your backup goalie steps up, like if Thatcher Demko can make a push to be even like push Markstrom a little bit, right. And mm-hmm. try and say like, okay, we got a one A and a one B here. I think that's the best route for them to get into the playoffs, but goaltending could definitely carry them. They definitely have the, you know, the coaching staff in place to kind of make that goaltending shine. But in the end, it's, it's still going to take more. It's going to take more from a lot of different players, man. I think it starts, like, honestly, those two guys that you asked me about the question at the very start of this, it's Pedersen and Markstrom are, are two of the integral pieces as we look at, look towards the playoffs and hope for playoffs, at least. Exactly, and I think going back to a little bit of Jacob Markstrom talk and bringing in Travis Green, him being on his third year behind the bench, he's going. I feel like he is going to ride a goalie if, let's say, Demko, doesn't live up to whatever his expectations are. Like, I don't think he's going to be afraid to to play Markstrom a lot. A lot of people are saying Demko does need to play a lot. I just see somewhat of a desperate coach behind the bench being in his third year with no playoff success. If Markstrom's playing well, really well, and Demko slips up, I could see Markstrom getting a ton of games. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like, he played 60 last year, and I think that he he probably wanted to play more. Like, mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom, when we were at training camp, that was a question that was asked him a lot, like, you know, with the Thatcher Demko coming in, how is it different for you? Because this is this is like the year where people are expecting Demko to step up, right? But at the same time, Jacob Markstrom, you mentioned it earlier, he's in a contract year. So, like, he wants to play as much as possible. He wants to put up good numbers. He wants to get paid next season, man. And, and at the end of the day, like, that helps the Canucks the most in the end if he is doing all that stuff and playing well, playing a ton of games. So, with a guy like Travis Green, like you were talking about, yeah, I think that he's a kind of coach that will ride a goaltender if he's hot. And I think Jacob Markstrom's proven, you know, whether it be in Utica with Travis Green or now in the NHL with Travis yeah. Green, he has kind of earned his trust. Like, he, he's Travis Green's guy, right? Like, he's had him for so long as a goaltender. No, he has. He has. Let's stick on Travis Green now. Uh, this is the last year, right, where he gets a free pass? Am I right on that? Yeah, I would say that, you know, if, if things start falling apart, I think that this year might not even be a free pass to Travis Green, to be honest. I mean... This team has put in so much work in the offseason to try and make the playoffs, and I think that Travis Green needs to assemble the team in the right way. And, you know, at times it worries me. There's certain situations that Travis Green doesn't use of, like, I don't know, it seems like when everybody is clamoring for something and it's not happening, that kind of that kind of sucks as a fan, right? You're like, come on, mm. like, everybody sees this. We want to see the coach put together a certain amount of players. And then maybe, you know, if we come into this year and it's, it's unfortunately, let's say, God, that doesn't make this team out of camp. And we're riding with two, you know, defensive lines in our bottom six again, and they're getting outscored to to hell. Like that could easily happen again this year, and I think that that's something to do with coaching. So I think that there are expectations for Travis Green this year when I think he was just kind of in like a feeling it out phase over the past couple. Yeah, on a hundred percent, I think that he has been in that stage. You know, the fan base, the media, feeling him out. Uh, I think we do get what he is in a head coach. He's very good with the media. He's pretty confident in himself. But yeah, like I, like we said, this, this is the third year that he's been in charge. We're talking about the city of Vancouver, the, the market in Vancouver. Yeah, there, there's going to be certain expectations. You did talk about the bottom six. You did bring up Adam Gaudet. Uh, my question to you, now this episode's going to come out after the roster's made, but, but, just, but just, for, just for opinion's sake, like how does Gaudet not make the team? I mean, why, why, yeah. why is Louis Erickson an option still? Why is... Someone like Vertanen, who's been called out, how is that a standard? Why would you want that in your roster off the jump? I mean, Gaudet has done kind of everything you could hope for, and none of the other guys have stepped up. No, I completely agree. The only problem is, 
Uh, you know, those players that you mentioned, I guess the way that Travis Green likes his lineup is he's going to want four centers that he trusts to play on both sides of the ice, right? He's going to want offensive and defensive centers. That's why we saw Bo Horvat, you know, play so much and get so many faceoffs last year because he trusted him. The problem for me is that I think Travis Green also really trusts Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle for some reason. Like, I, I understand using those guys in defensive situations, but for me, I think that the way Adam Gaudet came out in preseason and has done what he's done, mm-hmm. so if this episode's coming out, I, I damn sure hope that he's on the roster because I know they're announcing him on Monday. Yeah, that's what they just announced. Uh, Monday, all the decisions will be made. Uh, going back onto Sutter and Beagle, it may go back to that point that I was talking about. We're talking about a desperate coach. I don't see him taking as many chances as he's already done. I mean, uh, you want to talk about one of the biggest chances he took last year. He, he made Pedersen into a center when he was playing wing all mm-hmm. year. He's taken those shots. It worked out. But going into this year, I'm seeing a less risky Travis Green. I mean, if, if let's say the Canucks don't make the playoffs this year and he does get fired, I mean, who's, who's waiting to hire Travis Green? This is a big year for him. And, and sometimes, like, Coaches play it safe. This could be that year. No, absolutely. It's, it's so funny because, like, we've had this offseason, like, where Canuck fans have just been anticipating so much. And, like, the way that you're talking the way through this, it's like you're digging deeper and deeper. There's so many storylines into this season for the Vancouver Canucks that, like, it's actually insane. Just to think about how many different things need to go well for players and even coaches and general managers. Like, there's so much riding on this season. This is the year where, you know, like the Canucks have been trying to get better. They've been trying to get back to the playoffs. It feels like you're just like climbing the mountain and you're just like hitting this flat part right now. And you're either going to go the rest of the way up the mountain and go get to the playoffs, or you're just going to turn around and go back down because you can't do it. You're going to have to restart a rebuild. And that's probably what's going to happen this season. Like we're going to have to see, do they compete or do they not really have enough to compete yet at a certain point? And that still could be a couple of years away. And if yeah, and if it gets to that point, I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, organizational change. And at this point in in what they have as a core, I don't I don't even I don't even want that. You know, I don't no. think the <laughs> wants that. I don't think the market wants that. You know, I I, I speak like a, yeah, you know, like I'm criticizing the team. I, I'm kind of pessimistic towards the outlook of what the 2019 20, 2020 Canucks are. But uh, you know, again, the city of Vancouver, the fan base here, the market here. We're not Arizona. We're not Florida. You know, they need some good hockey. And and the pieces are somewhat in place. You know, a guy like Travis Green, we talked about Markstrom. We talked about Pedersen. Heck, this guy may be the most important Canuck this year because mm-hmm. he has to make this work. No, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that the way that you're going to look at success this year is something that we looked a lot differently over the past couple for successful exactly. Like, for a successful season. This isn't just, okay, you know, the young guys got to play a lot. You know, Pedersen got to play 18 minutes a game. Like, now this team is all Travis Green's. Like, he's had these players for long enough. He knows how to, how they each tick, you know, how they, like, get the player going a little bit. We've heard about the Travis Green talks that he does to these guys. And I just think that he's got to put something out on the ice that's going to be competitive. And in the end, it's, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. Like, I know that a lot of people that are very optimistic are saying, like, this is the year we get in. But at the same time, missing this year also isn't really the worst thing for the Vancouver Canucks team as well because they have such a good young core coming up. We're going to get to watch what Hoglander does overseas, what Pod Colden does overseas, you know, even catch up on some of the guys in Utica this year that are going to be growing in. But I think next season, like this season right now that we have right now, I don't have the highest expectations for playoffs, but next year, that's the year where I'm ready to go. Like next year, 2020, 21, 
is the season where I think this team is actually at that point. So it's going to be interesting to see if you talk about that organizational change that might actually happen if they don't succeed and hit the expectations yeah. that people have. If that doesn't happen this year, you know, next the year after that is going to be very interesting because that's when I think this team will be actually at its best and start, you know, actually peaking into a playoff team. Okay, so so what are you saying? Uh, is a successful season not the playoffs? Is it just playing, you know, 82 meaningful games? Well, success is so hard to, to point down pretty much in the NHL because this team could be successful, but injuries can make this team not reach their goals, right? Like, you could still be very successful. Patterson could have a great season. Horvath could take another step. Besser could get to 30 goals. A lot of these players could have very successful seasons, but it's just the way that this team has shaped themselves in the offseason and the changes they made and the players they've added, they're full on into the playoffs. But exactly. that should be the expectation. But if you're not making the playoffs, I guess you aren't successful from the organization point. But I think in the long run, you can still you can still be very successful and not make the playoffs in a certain time. Like You could be successful. You could, I don't know, it won't happen. But maybe they win the draft lottery and they end up drafting one of these amazing guys in this upcoming draft. Like, that could be very successful, but maybe that's not hitting your goals, which is interesting because they've really put all their cards in the table. They're all in on making the playoffs this year. We've seen with trading a first-round pick, exactly. you know, getting Tyler Myers. Mm -hmm. They're all in. So they kind of have to just go all in and hope that, like, their pocket jacks are going to hold up and be okay in the poker hat right now. It's so funny. If you, I, I do feel the same way. I mean, they're, they've spent to the cap again. They've traded a first-round pick, which is pretty much going all in. If you're, if you're a lottery team, which they've been over the past couple of years – yeah, you're kind of going all in. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an interesting year. Uh, again, this is going to be, I, I said this kind of last year too, and then Pedersen came and kind of changed the outlook of, of what's going to happen. But this this right here, such a polarizing year. We're going to be talking about this year for a long time. We're also going to talk about your boy. You've been talking highly about this guy, Quinn Hughes, for a while. Now, before we talk about Quinny, I called him Quinny. Make fun of me. I don't care. <laughs> Who are the top five Canuck defensemen of all time? Oh, damn! I top I, five defensemen. I, I, of put all time. On, I put you. I put you on the stop. Uh, put you on the spot. I. I just want to talk about this because, you know, I feel like if you compare your top five Canuck defensemen of all time to other teams, you take that list to other cities, they're gonna be laughing. Ooh. They're gonna be laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah, they will. Oh man, you got. Yeah, one. no, absolutely. Who's on that list? I think off the top. Yeah, so off the top, uh, I guess I'm not going to go too far back into the 70s and 80s fair, because, fair. you know, I wasn't alive for that time. But I'm going to go with, obviously, Yerke Lume's on that list, the mm -hmm. offensive player that he was. Uh, Jovanovski in his prime was great. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to throw Sammy Salo when he's healthy. He was a hell of a defenseman. But, you know, even, like, mentioning Sammy Salo in the list for me is oh. just, like, thinking, like, damn, the other team's list was so much better. Yeah. You know, you got Oland, of course. Oland was a hell of a player, uh, defenseman for a long time with the team back and forth. And then you, you, from there, it's like, man, you say, like, <laughs> Airhoff is that guy? I know, Quinn Hughes, at a certain point, you want to mention, right? And I'm Yo. sure I missed one obvious one, but I think it's all good. what you said going into this is like, yeah, damn, you look at other teams' top five defensemen of their, like, of their franchise history, and the Canucks do not stack up well against it. They don't, and I'm saying this. I, I You know, I, I've already been on record saying this. I think Quinn Hughes is already on that list. I know it's crazy because he's only played five games, but by, by game 41... Game 46, game 65, people are, are going to be talking about it because that list isn't that deep. And, you know, for the first time in, in the history of this team, we may be seeing this type of game breaker that's that's Vancouver's on the back end. We've never seen a player like Quinn Hughes play for this team. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the way that he's going to play is also something that we haven't seen in the Vancouver Canucks do in a long time is have a player that's like ahead of his time at his position. You know, like we haven't really had that since the Sedin. I mean, Pedersen obviously stepped in and he's amazing at what he does. I mean, he's an incredible hockey player. I think he's going to be one of the top players in this league very soon, possibly even this season. We'll see what happens. But if you look at the way Quinn Hughes plays the defense position as a defenseman, he moves the puck very well. He's small. He's quick. He, you know, can get the puck into the offensive zone, get the puck out of his defensive zone. The way that we've had defensemen over the Canucks history, we just haven't had this type of player. And yeah, I agree with what you said, like to start this off, there's not enough youth hype, man. I think that we had so much Patterson hype about last year going into it. And then when he obviously started, it was amazing seeing the 10 goals in his first 10 games. I'm not expecting the same thing for Quinn Hughes, but just watching him play in preseason, like the boy likes to shoot, man. I think if he gets his opportunity on that first power play unit, you know, gets a guy like Brock Besser on his left, Patterson on his right, Furlan in front of the net, whoever they're going to have in the, in the bumper zone, like, this guy is, you know, primed for success. And I think that his skill set is going to work out amazing in Vancouver. And we could, we could be, you know, forgetting about the top five and calling him the best defenseman in a couple of years, like you said. Yeah, already very soon. I mean, Quinn Hughes, an absolute gamer. If, if you have to give Benning, you know, a thumbs up on something, I'm kind of still skeptical on his overall draft landscape, but the top guys that he has picked, and I'm, I'm going to put Hughes on this list, Bezer and, and Pedersen, they, they seem like they're gamers. They seem like all they care mm-hmm. about is hockey. And that's good for the city, man. I mean, the top-end talent on this team is good. Obviously, you need more to get to that that point where a market like Vancouver, I always bring that up, deserves. And Quinn Hughes has to be a big part of that. Let's play a little bit of over-under here. I'm pretty sure I, I get what you're going to say on this one. But for Canucks points, I have 93.5. What do you got? Over-under. Uh, I would go under. I would go under that for sure. Elias Patterson, 85.5 points. Over-under. Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think I would go under. I think just a little bit under from there, though. Okay, last one. Tim Schaller. Games played. 34 and a half. Man, I don't even want to answer uh, Tim Schaller. In where? In Utica or Vancouver? Like, either or, man. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I, I kind of hope that he's one of the guys on the outside looking in when we do do the roster cut. I and have that, not seen anything out of that guy. And that's crazy. I forgot about Tim Schaller, but... You know, going on Twitter, watching some of the games, he has outperformed Louis Erickson. He has outperformed, in my opinion, Jake Fratani. He's more noticeable. He's trying a bit harder. You know, that's the thing. I want, you know, if you're a Canuck fan and you see these guys not, I shouldn't be trying hard. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a player. I'm not on the ice, but you can just see it. Other guys are trying harder mm-hmm. than the likes of Louis Erickson, Jake Fratani. Guys that, I mean, I can't, I can't say it for Louis, but, you know, for Jake, he, there's an opportunity here. And if Tim Schaller is playing better than you, <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> that's saying a lot. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's what you kind of talked about about those players before. Like, you look at the guys he's drafted, Hughes, Besser, and Horvath, guys that work their asses off. And, yeah. You know, out there early, getting staying on the ice late, and just giving her when they're on the ice. And I think that if you have that, like, have that mentality with your players, and they're working together as a group, and they're a unit that's all doing the same type of play, I think that's amazing. And when you do have someone, like, Honestly, like I, I hate to rip on him a little bit, but it happens to Goldobin sometimes. He's exactly. my boy, but you know there are certain times where he is absent from games and absent from the pace of play. Like you look at everyone else working. If you have four guys working their asses off, and you have a guy who's just kind of hanging around the top waiting for that pass, I know that that's not great for the defensive zone, right? It's the same thing with Jake Rattan, and you know when when he's on, he's on, and he's a top six player, and he's you know driving the play, he's getting a puck towards the net, he's getting in tight, but then. He goes away for four or five games, and that's the hardest thing to find. Mm-hmm. I think that 
that's another thing that goes on Travis Green. Like he needs to build this team that way where they are just one solid unit that play the exact same and play under the same coach as what? No, a hundred percent. And they have to buy in and just going back to day one of training camp where Travis Green did call call out Jake Vertan for not showing up in, in what he deems as good shape. Uh, Jake Vertan's response was, you know, he was almost there. He was not that far off, which it just shows me that he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Come on, have a better answer. Take all the blame. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in that scrum uh, with Jake Rattan and, and, you know, he, uh, <laughs> so we waited probably the longest we've had to wait for a player was after that third practice and waiting for Jake Rattan and like everybody, all the media guys were just waiting for Jake to come out and he came out and like, you know, it's funny because everyone on Twitter is calling him fat and saying that he's out of shape or whatever. And he comes out and like the dude, obviously in amazing shape. Okay. So like I can guarantee he's not fat. He's in great shape mm-hmm. and he comes out like that. But at the same time, you know, I was I was down there watching that. Uh, so after every practice on the first day of training camp, they did this, I guess, like end-to-end suicides, like skating on the ice, right? And Jake was the only guy out of every single player that actually went and like had to get water at a certain point. Obviously, a lot of the guys are tired, but you know, just little things like that. Like you notice those things, right? And that's the thing that you want a player to be prepared for training camp, and and that's why at certain times, like I I've been really enjoying Jay Beagle as a fourth line center. I still think he's overpaid, but. He's a guy that works his ass off, comes in every year in great shape. He's ready to go for the season. And I think that he's the type of guy that you want leading part of your room. And I think that, you know, somebody's got to kick kick a guy like Jake Bertanen or Goldobin's ass a little bit and say, like, you got to take this serious because this can be ended very fast for you. You work so hard to get to the NHL at a certain point. Yeah. Like, you need to keep continuing to work to be a good NHL player. And I think that's something that's getting lost with a few of these Canucks players. Yeah. It, it seems like it is. Okay, so a couple more questions. Again, we're with Chris Faber of Canucks Conversation, Canucks Army. Go get the podcast. I'm assuming you can listen to it everywhere. And, and yeah, Chris Faber doing a lot of writing for Canucks Army. I'm not even supposed to say that, but I don't care. City of Vancouver, we're repping everyone. Okay? We're repping everyone. Um, Let's go, baby. Elias Pettersson, we're going to end it off this. Okay, so how how drunk are you off the hype? And what I mean by that, and it kind of stems from what the show is called, Sipping on a 40, I do feel like everyone in this fan base, including myself, we're more we're more stoked about this team simply because of Elias Pettersson. We're talking about a team that finished pretty much at the same spot as the year before, but it seems different off of one player, Elias Pettersson. What can this guy do for this franchise? What can this guy do this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm drunk as hell off you last year, so I'm sipping on multiple 40s, hey, man. And there you just go. the way that he's <laughs> here we go, let's go. Uh, so the way that um, Pedersen just comes in and plays, like he's a guy where you can be excited every single shift that he's on the ice. Like he, when he is on the ice and he has the puck on his stick, he is so exciting to watch. When he's back checking on a play, when he's yeah. coming back as like the first forward back, he's amazing at that. I the yes. way that he plays already, and the way that he has so much more to grow. I, this is why I believe that Patterson is going to be one of the top five players in the NHL within a couple of years because just the drive that he has, mm-hmm. the skill that he has, the moves that he makes, like, do your deeds, bro. That's what he's doing out there. Like, his, it's unreal to watch this guy. And like I said at the start of this, just watching every single shift and being able to get excited every time that a player's on the ice, Vancouver Canucks fans just haven't had that in a long time. And so that's kind of why the city is drunk off EP. Yeah, you're talking about the motor. Uh, I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, or was it last week, where Don Taylor said that, you know, Bo Horvat is the most complete Canuck player. It's not that I completely dis- uh, disagree with that statement, but damn, Elias Pettersson is a damn good defensive player. Like, de- yep. really good. And that was his first year playing center in the National Hockey League. The guy has a motor like no other sometimes, man. He's 
He's everywhere. He he's sometimes the, the best player in the defensive zone, by far the best player in the neutral zone with, with the puck on his stick. And offensively, you don't have to say much. Just watch the film, bro. The guy's crazy. The guy's crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I just think that, you know, when you look at the way that he talked about his two-way game and then you set him up mm. on the power play in the EP zone, like in the Petter zone is what I'm calling it because oh, I don't like Area 51. I'm about the Petter zone, by the oh, way. You and Georgia uh, about to seen, go at it. You and Georgia about to yeah, go Yeah, no, I know. I've seen the argument. <laughs> I got the other, I got that other podcast yelling at me too. But anyways, the hey. Petter zone, like when you, when you play that well on every part of the ice and then you are like just elite in a certain spot like he is in the power play with that one-timer, Having that on top of what he already is as a five-on-five or an even-strength player, like that's why people are so excited. Because at such a young age, at such you know, his, like you mentioned, being a center for the first time in the NHL, from coming over and playing the wing in Sweden, he comes over and becomes a center in the NHL. It's just going to be step and step and step until we get to the certain point where we are actually talking about Elias Pettersson as one of the top five players in the NHL. I think. Yeah, and that's important. That's exciting for the city of Vancouver. Again, for the fans of Vancouver, they deserve better. No more bullshit. Canucks fans can't yes, take babe. it. It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, Faber, last thing I want to say. I said it off the top. You're a nice dude, man. We appreciate you. You don't have to do all these things. You're, you're a star now, but you're going on all these podcasts. You're trying, <laughs> you're trying to help the community out, which I really respect, and it, and it does kind of remind me of uh, Jason Botchford. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this off the top. I've said it many times. You know, whoever is making Canucks content, covering this team, Take chances with it. Take risks. Be big. Be special. And help each other out. And you're doing such a great job with that. Uh, you're extremely humble. I mean, you've taught me a lot. You, you kind of set the tone for myself and Trevor, our whole team here. So we just want to thank you, man. Thank you for hopping on. Best of luck this season. And, and real talk, man, I hope you hop on. We'll have a good talk every time, man. Thank you, Chris. Always, man. Always. I love what you guys are doing. I think that you guys have that different type of content as well. And I just, I love it. And just, you know, chat with you in the offseason a little bit when you were telling me about those plans, man. Like, Man, I'm even like it's weird, but like the hair is standing up my eyes. I'm stoked because like you guys are you guys are up to some shit this year, man. I, I know it for sure. I'm so excited to see what you guys are up to, and and anytime you want me on the show or any of the shows that you guys are going to be rocking this year, like I'm so down, man. You know it. Yeah, we'll f we'll figure it out, man. We'll, you know, we'll help each other out. You do your thing. Um, excited for you too as well, man. You got you want to say anything? What, what do you got planned this year? Any, anything special? Anything in the works? Uh, well, what you kind of just mentioned actually, I wouldn't mind talking about just so people that. Uh, people that want help with anything like uh, writing and if you want to start writing or just doing anything like creating your own content please do it and if you have any questions just hit me on my DMs are always open um, another great guy to talk to David Quadrelli um, he, if you guys are serious about writing and it's something you want to do talk to a guy like David you know they're always looking for to give the guy a shot at a Canuck way that's, that's where I got my writing start um, you know podcast just seeing all these podcasts pop up it's kind of crazy like I feel like we had maybe like 10 podcasts last season and we're probably coming in this year with like close to 30. Uh, so just seeing everybody create their content and do what they're doing, like it's so cool. And, and everybody in the DMs has been chatting to me. I just appreciate people even being reaching out to me about this because um, I'm not an expert in all this stuff, but I have done it, I guess. So I really appreciate it. anybody that needs any help or any questions. Just, just hit me up uh, on Twitter at ChrisFaber39 and uh, yeah, hit me up in the DMs. They're always open, man. Damn, it's going down in the DM. That's Chris Faber, Canucks Army. Canucks conversation. The fucking man. You're the fucking man, bro. I hope you have a good time. <laughs> Recover from that hangover once again. Thanks, bro. That's Chris Faber on sipping on a 40. Catch you on the other side. Hey.
Hey, sipping on a 40. That's what you're listening to. Kyle Bowen here. Once again, shout out to Chris Faber. Listen to Canucks Conversation everywhere, wherever you get podcasts. A billion apps. Just listen to it. Rest in peace to Jason Boschford. Shout out to SB Nation. Shout out to Nux Misconduct. Now, before we get to the end of the episode, where we will run the segment Benning Bros, I'm already loving it. Hashtag Benning Bros. The best hashtag in the world of sport. It really is. But before we do that, we got to talk about Travis Green. We do. And we did touch on it with Faber a bit earlier. And we did mention before the interview that the Canucks made their cuts, that Sven Berchi is waived, that Tim Schaller, who the hell is this guy, is still a Vancouver Canuck. True story, Tim Schaller, when he signs that two-year deal, just under $4 million, I thought this guy was from the German League. I thought this guy won the MVP of the German League. I had no idea who this guy was. And he was and he was making $2 million. But it was one of those, uh, you know, those Jim Benning, here's my checkbook, here's my pen, let's have some fun type of moves. He barely played last year. Healthy scratch for a bottom feeder team. This guy makes the team. Stan Berchi doesn't. Louis Erickson, Mr. Zero. Mr. Zero still makes the team. Hey, $6 million, man, I get it. Hard to send down, I guess. I guess. I don't know what you're really telling your roster. Louis Erickson makes the team. And I can assure you, those those are moves that, that Green played a big part in. He seems like that type of guy. He's, he's calling the shots this year. And rightfully so. It's his third year. It's his desperate year. Whatever way he wants it, he's going to get it. And it's only fair. But it comes with the cost. The free pass is over. The free pass is over. Third year. Unreal fan base. Passionate fan base. Educated fan base. Yeah, the free pass is gone. What a time. What a time. I also want to touch more on that that question, okay? I, I want you to answer this for me. Who is more important to the Canucks' success? Jacob Markstrom or Elias Pettersson? It may seem like an easy answer. You know, Pettersson being the uh, the man, the reason, the alien, the star, the franchise. Easy answer would be Pettersson. But if this team, this team who, who traded a first-round pick going into this season... This team, who was was up to the cap, they got no money. They spent it all. If this team is playing by those rules, I'm sorry, success is a playoff spot. If you put in the number of years, the manager's been here, the GM, that brass, you put in the years that Green's been here, and in the system in general, and now you you got once again a team that spends to the cap, Year after year, a team that goes all in in the offseason, and now a team that doesn't have a first-round pick. Yeah, playoffs. That is success. And I think Jacob Markstrom might be more important. 9-12 save percentage last year, career year. 
I'm sorry, that's going to have to go up a lot. Jacob Markstrom also a UFA, so... Yeah, this this is this is his last chance to really get paid to sign that long-term deal. Big year for Jacob Markstrom. Who's under more pressure? Travis Green or Jacob Markstrom? So many questions. Which one is the fucking question? Answer them all, man. Answer them all. Reply to the sipping on a 40 Twitter account. If you don't know how to spell that, grab a dictionary. S-I-P-P-I-N-O-N-A 40. 40. Follow it on Twitter. Follow Nux Misconduct on Twitter too. Follow SB Nation NHL. Follow all of them. Let's run Bending Bros now. We're coming towards the end of the show. Oh man, best segment. Best segment in the world of uh in the world of podcast about hockey. I am your brother, your best friend forever. Ah, Benning Bros, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I thought I'd seen it all in the Canuck universe. You know, we've seen champagne problems be a great hashtag. One that lasted quite a while. But I don't think I, I don't think that holds any weight standing next to hashtag Benning Bros. Now, if you're a betting bro, don't worry. Don't worry. You send your tweets in. I know I'm going to start off with the negative one coming from the other side. In fact, this is from the leader. Yes, the leader of the other side. But I want to read some good betting bros takes too, okay? The passionate ones. If you're going to send one of those tweets in, make sure it's passionate, okay? Like you actually love Jim Benning because he's your fucking brother. Hashtag betting bros. What a hashtag. Let's start the segment off with Taj. Taj, polarizing figure. Polarizing figure. In Vancouver media. In fact, in Twitter universe, Canucks Twitter, he's a Hall of Famer. First ballot. No doubt in my mind. Hate it or love it. The guy's been consistent. Hall of Famer. Now here's his tweet involving hashtag Benning Bros. And it's not the best, but it's, you know, he's a troll. Uh, there's no point in arguing hashtag Benning Bros. Benning could take a shit and they would tell you it didn't stink. Damn. Damn, he pulled that card out. Wow. Wow. Now, again, not, not Taj's best work. And I'm a Taj fan. You can do better. Straight up. Not your best work, but damn. It, this tweet really tells me that, that he will not stop and he will be anti-Benning Bros till the end of it. In fact, he's the leader of the other side. What's that side called? I don't know. I have no idea. This may be the, be this may be the best battle in the league. The best battle in the NHL. Taj... First hashtag betting bros. Who was going to win? Could you imagine? Let's lay it out. Game 82. The Canucks need a win to make the playoffs. And if they lose, they're not making the playoffs. That's Taj versus hashtag betting bros at its peak. At its peak. He really does not believe in Jim Benning. Uh, this is this is a good question for the Benning Bros too. I, I know a lot of them, you know, the, the, a lot of them are are stating their cases and are saying the following. You know that they can't wait to see all of all of the other side to jump board when the Canucks make playoffs this year. To to say that they were wrong 
to become a bending bro. They're so they're so hungry for that moment. They cannot wait. But let me ask you this: What happens when the team, or if the team, is the same? There's still a chance. So many things have to go right for your dream to come true, Benning Bros. And what if it doesn't? What are you gonna say? Because let's be real. Let's be honest. You jumped ship and became a bro only because you were kind of tired of being sad about your team, which which kind of makes sense. But you're losing a lot of your you know your factual integrity when it comes to following sports nothing was really changed about this team numbers don't lie check the scoreboard philosophy never really changed you know for the for the last couple of years it's been it's been draft a good guy a good player with your first round pick and spend money spend money and money and money more of it all of it and it's and it's never changed yet betting bros became a thing once again, uh, proof that everyone is sipping on a 40. A lot of people in this city, drunk off Elias Pedersen. Now, we should go to the other side, right? If we're going to do this segment. It's my first time doing this. Um, uh, is, this a, is this a nice one? Let's read it from the top. Okay, actually amazing watching the Benning Bros spin this. To them, there's no cap issue. But now, right... No, this is, not, this, is a, this is a bad one, too. Come on, man. Who is this? Mike Kermada? I can't even finish it. It's not fair. It's not fair. Okay, any any good hashtag Benning Bros takes out there? Are they all negative? How about this one? How about this one? Love how the hashtag Benning Bros were so confident that Dim Jim. Who's Dim Jim? Oh my God. This is this is a mean one too. Okay, well maybe uh maybe I gotta do more research. Cause if I start the segment off like this, people are gonna call me a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm a, I'm a guy right down the middle, right? That's who I am. I'm not a Benning bro too, but damn. We need some better Benning bro takes. We need the people on that team to make better tweets. To get on top of that list. Jeez, man. Hashtag Benning bros. Off to a bad start. A horrible start. A horrible start. And anyways, who cares? Who cares? We'll be here a lot. We'll be here a lot after every Canuck game. You get an episode of sipping on a 40. Yeah, we'll recap every Canuck game. We'll also sprinkle in episodes throughout the week. We got the fucking Road Podcaster Pro. We got microphones. We got hockey. Hockey's back. And everyone is drunk off Elias Pedersen. We didn't really talk about anything else, really. Right? We didn't get into that much. There's too many prediction shows out there. We had a great talk with Faber. You got what you got. One more thing, though. One more thing. Forgot to mention this. Uh, before the season ends, before this series ends, before this chapter ends, I do want to read a book with you guys. Because <laughs> this book is fucking crazy. It really paints the picture of what's been happening with the Canucks over the last 50 years. Now, I know this book came out, what, two years ago? So it doesn't really recap the Pedersen, the Bezer times, but still interesting nonetheless. This book is called 100 Things... Canucks fans should know and do before they die. And it's written by Thomas Drantz and Mike Halford. And the foreword is by John Garrett. Cheech, legends. And the other two moguls in the city. Are those two legends? I don't know. They're on their way, doing great things. Let's read it together, though, because I may sound really, really fucking pessimistic. 
And who knows how this year is going to go? Who knows what the fuck I'm going to say? But the pessimism that you may be hearing, it stems from the history of following this team. Now, this is the second, yes, second paragraph of this book, okay? Second paragraph. Unbelievable. How are you going to start off a book this sad? It's like reading a murder book, a mystery book, and by the second paragraph, the main character is already dead. Okay, here's the paragraph. Throughout Vancouver's history, few teams in the National Hockey League have been defeated with such regularity. Among the least 30 teams, again, this book was written a couple years ago, only recent expansion outfits, Florida, Columbus, and Tampa Bay, have a lower, yes, lower regular season winning percentage. You heard that right. The history of this team is fucking mediocre. Mediocre at best. So don't blame the fans for being hard on the team. Blame the organization. Be better. Be better. This city cares about hockey. It's not Florida. It's not Arizona. Be better. Don't blame, don't blame the fans. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? You, you hear that stat? That's, that's not bullshit. The Canucks have been bad. The product's been bad here for the majority of its history. And now we're entering the 50th year, a big year. And things do got to change. Somehow, some way. Things got to change. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Sipping on a 40. Once again, we'll be back after every game. We'll be back throughout the week. What's going to happen this year? So many things. Bo Horvat, the captain. We'll get to that on the next episode. We face the Oilers. Have you looked at their wingers? Oh, man. Oh, man. Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Bowen. That's K-Y-L-E-B-H-A-W-A-N. Remember to get the network. Get the whole network. It's so easy. You swipe right, swipe left. I don't know what, you're at, what app you're using, but you get Silky and Filthy. You're home for puck talking bullshit. You get the quickie, the fastest hockey show in the world, and you get this. SB Nation's official Canucks program. You heard that right. Thank you for listening. Have a good night, a good morning, a good afternoon. I do not know when you're listening to this, but damn, I fucking appreciate it.